Hello, and welcome to A Senior's World. This podcast is for you if you are walking in the silver years of life. Here, you and I talk about topics that directly and indirectly affect the quality of our lives as senior citizens. My name is Gerald Austin, but you can call me G, and I am your host. This week, we're going to talk about documents, more more specifically, a power of attorney. When my mom passed, she left behind a bunch of papers that were scattered all around the house. She had papers over here, papers over there, papers upstairs, paper downstairs, paper in the basement, papers everywhere. And most of the paperwork she left behind had no legal or personal significance, just the stuff that she had collected. However, there were a couple of documents, and I'm using that term in the broadest sense possible, as loosely as possible, that gave me some insight as to what she wanted to happen once she passed. I found one piece of paper that stated what she wanted on her headstone, and I found another piece of paper that stated the color she wanted to be buried in and the song she wanted to be played at her funeral. Unfortunately, I found that piece of paper after she was buried, but I was able to design her headstone according to her wishes. But besides those two pieces of paper, there was nothing that she had which gave any indication about how she wanted her estate to be distributed once she passed. Nothing. However, she did tell me prior to her passing that she did not want to be cremated. And after she passed, I felt bad. I felt bad that I had not done a better job of helping her while she was alive and competent get her estate and final wishes in order. Heck, I was a practicing attorney at the time. But that was part of, I think, in hindsight, why I didn't do more at the time. Because I didn't want to feel as though I was using undue influence on her to help her steer her in any particular way in regards to the distribution of her estate. At least that's what I tell myself anyway. Um, but I could have and I should have helped her in a lot of other ways get herself in order. But then again, sometimes it's hard to talk to your parents about them getting old, getting elderly, becoming elderly, or even dying. It's a touchy subject. You've got to know how to finesse um, that conversation. So I didn't do it, and I wish that I had. As a result now, I feel as though that I should take the responsibility of sitting down with my children to um, direct them on how I want my um, final wishes to be handled and whatever estate I have at the time, how that should be distributed. So I should initiate that and sit down with them. And that kind of t- would take the stress off of them in regards to having to come to me um, and discuss those particular topics. So hopefully, um, if you're in your senior years, those are things that you should be considering. How you're going to sit down with your um, your children or whomever and talk about how you want your estate to be handled, even your loved one or your spouse, um, how you want your estate to be handled. Um, upon your passing and what should happen if you should become mentally or physically um, unable to care for yourself. So please have the discussion with um, someone. And when my mother passed, as I said, she left a bunch of different paperwork that was of no value at all um, in helping me um, make a decision as to how to traverse a state. So, I should have had a power of attorney um, put in place for her. And again, I didn't do that. But what does that mean? Like, what documents should I have helped her with? 
Again, let's start with a power of attorney. As my mother got older, she was less able to make mental decisions on her own. She couldn't mentally handle her own personal affairs. And so once this happened, it became obvious that my brother and I needed a power of attorney to allow one of us to handle her personal matters for her. Um, and again, we needed a power of attorney to do this. Now, what is a power of attorney or a POA as this sometimes referred to? Well, a POA is a document that allows for a person to appoint another person to manage their affairs or to handle their affairs. The person whose affairs are being managed, in this case, my mother, is called the principal. The person who accepts the responsibility to manage the principal's affairs, in this case, it was my brother, is called the agent. Now let's talk about an agent. If someone asks you to become their agent or you are thinking about design, drawing up a power of attorney, what should you look for in an agent? It shouldn't be your favorite child, just because they're your favorite child. Your favorite child could be the worst person in the world when it comes to handling your affairs because it does require some action on their behalf. They have to be somewhat meticulous. They have to be able to handle your banking records, handle your uh, real estate records and your real estate documents and things of that sort. So you should select someone who, first of all, you do trust and someone who is capable of stepping up to the plate and handling those affairs because, again, it does take action. Sometimes they might have to go to the bank and sit down with the bank um, officer to get your paperwork in order. Right? You're going to have to have your bills paid. Money's going to come into your account from whatever source you have, and money's going to go out to pay your bills. Are, are they? Is that person the type of person who will pay your bills on a timely basis to account for your money as it comes in? Those are the type of qualities you should have. You should look for it. Uh, when you decide to have someone um, act as your agent. Their fiduciary responsibility is what you should be looking for, someone who can handle that. And if someone is asking you to be their agent, are you that type of person? When it came time to handle my mother's estate, they asked me to handle her estate, to become, well, not her estate, to become her um, agent. I'm not the best person when it comes to the fine print. And so her bills have to be paid. They're going to get paid. But they might not get paid on the first. Well, that's my brother. They got paid on the first. He had a receipt for every dime that he spent. Every dollar that came to her account, her account was accounted for. He is that type of person. I'm not. So he was a better person to serve as her agent. And it was for me to recognize that, that he was. And after my ego get in the way, because it wasn't about me, it was about the best interest of my mother at the time. So my brother was appointed our power attorney, uh, our her power attorney. So once that person becomes the agent for the principal, the agent then becomes the power of attorney for the principal. Now, this document can't be a, it must be a document. It can't be, hey, Bob, hey, Mary, do me a favor, can you personally handle my affairs? Yeah, okay, I give you authority to do that. No, it doesn't work like that. It must be in writing. It must be drawn up as a legal written document. The document requires witnesses and it has to be notarized. Also, the principal, again, my mother, has to be a sound mind. 
If the principal is suffering from any form of mental deterioration, right, that person's mental capacity is in question, the legality of the power of attorney comes into question. In my mother's situation, it became obvious that she was not able to give a knowing consent. She did not know what a power of attorney was. She could not give consent to that. When we asked her, hey, mom, do you want this? Yes. Do you not want this? No. Do you want this? Yes. Do you want me to handle it? No. Do you want my brother to handle it? Yes. Do you want me to handle it? Yes. Do you want my brother to handle it? No. So it was obvious that she did not have the mental capacity to to, uh, grant anyone power of attorney over her estate. So we had to petition the court. Petition means to ask the court to allow for my brother to become her power of attorney to act on her behalf. And when we did that, we had to, again, file a document with the court to do that. Once that document was received by the court, the court appointed someone, an organization, to come out and interview my mother to assess her mental capacity. Um, they did this mental test of her. Then it was determined that she was not mentally competent, but their determination of itself was not good enough. We had to go back in front. Of, we, we had to go in front of a judge and all that information had to be presented to the judge. The judge had to listen to my mother, to the person who did the mental assessment, and to my brother and I before he made a determination. And in our case, he did determine that she was in need of a power attorney to handle her uh, her affairs. And again, my brother was appointed power of attorney on her behalf. Again, you have to be very careful when you grant someone power of attorney because once you do, that person will have the legal authority to act on your behalf for whatever power that was granted to them. On the document, the power of attorney, there are a bunch of um, paragraphs that says you can give the person power to do this, the power to that, or to do that. Right? So you can give that person power to act on your behalf, um, to, I don't know, handle your bank account, transferring ownership of your home, uh, selling your home, um, your stocks and your bonds, your business, your insurance, your social security, and a whole long list of other uh, different areas where that person can be granted power to handle on your behalf. So again, you do have to be careful with who you appoint as your agent. And that person has to be very trustworthy. You can imagine the nightmares that have happened with people who were not trustworthy when it came to handling um, other people's um, financial and personal matters. So, with that being said, of course, it is highly, highly, did I say highly, recommended that you sit down with an attorney when it comes to drawing up your power of attorney. Now, this is not to say that only an attorney can draw up a power of attorney because you can find them on the internet for a couple of dollars, five dollars, and you can print one out and, you know, have it drawn up yourself. But this is an important document. This is a document that is going to determine who has control over your financial um, affairs and your personal affairs to a certain extent. So this is a document that you should sit down with have drawn up by an attorney and have that person explain to you, have your attorney explain to you what it is that you are surrendering that you're giving to that person. So again, I would advise you seeking legal counsel when it comes to drawing up a power attorney. Now I had a friend who tried to use his power attorney um, that he had gotten on behalf of his mother to represent her in court. 
Let me be clear. Your agent cannot use a power of attorney to become your legal representative or your attorney in court. So his mom's involved in some legal matters and he tried to act because he thought he was smart enough that he could act as her attorney with by using a power of attorney. Look, let's be for real. The court system is not going to allow it. The business of law is not going to allow it. Could we go to law school? Right. I would just go have a power of attorney drawn up. Next thing you know, I'm representing you on a criminal matter or a civil matter. So again, you cannot represent someone in court because you are their agent. It doesn't work like that. Again, the business, the legal business, the legal judicial system is not going to stand for that. Now, I've been talking about your mental capacity, but remember, it's not just um, um, powers of attorney. It's just not for you. If your mental capacity is starting to deteriorate, it can also be because of your physical capacity or incapacity. Um, there are people in nursing homes, shut-ins, or for whatever reason, who are no longer physically able to handle their personal affairs. They can't get to the bank. They can't do certain things anymore physically. So they appoint someone as their power of attorney to act on their behalf. To, um, because they are no longer physically able to um, handle their personal affairs. Your power of attorney does not stop you from handling your own affairs if you are capable of doing so. So you've given Mary or Bob or Harry or Sally your power of attorney, but you're still mentally and physically able to handle your own matters. Um, you can still go to the bank. You can still handle your own personal affairs if you um, are capable of doing so. As long as you're not mentally incapacitated or physically incapacitated or both, um, you can still handle your own affairs. And as long as it is determined that you are sound mind, you can revoke your power of attorney. A power of attorney is not written in stone. So you appoint someone to be your power of attorney. You no longer trust them. You no longer want them. You no longer need them for whatever reason to be your power of attorney. You can revoke that person from being your power of attorney. It is important. It is very important. It is highly important. I say it is important to state that if you do revoke your power of attorney, you must do so in writing. You must do so with a letter of revocation. Again, it has to be in writing and it has to be signed. You can no longer walk, you cannot walk up to Bob or Mary or Sally or Bill or whomever, your children or whomever, and say, hey, I no longer want you to be my power of attorney. Again, it has to be in writing. It cannot be done by word of mouth. It should be witnessed and probably it should be notarized. The last thing you want are multiple power of attorneys floating around held by different people who have access to your uh, financial accounts. Because if they have not been revoked, that person will still have access to everything. And that's where the trust factors comes in. Because you can have some revoke one and that person ceases or does not stop acting on your behalf for whatever reason. So again, make sure that is in writing. I would have a witness and notarize um, that you no longer desire to have that person um, act on your behalf when it comes to your power of attorney. 
Now, there are different types of power of attorneys out there. If your power of attorney, that's a durable power of attorney, and that's the term that you're going to hear a lot if, when you start looking for power of attorneys. If your power of attorney is a durable power of attorney, it will allow for your agent to continue to handle your affairs after it has been determined that you are no longer mentally capable of handling your own affairs. Right, so you've granted someone a power of attorney and you are sound mind, but it has later been determined that you are no longer of a sound mind. And that person has a durable power of attorney. That person with a durable power of attorney will be able to continue to act on your behalf. If it's not a durable power of attorney, just a general power of attorney, um, at some point in time, someone is going to have to petition the court if it's questioned or if you're, if that power of attorney is challenged because someone is aware of your uh, deterioration of your mental capacity and they challenge that power of attorney uh, and it's not a power, durable power of attorney, um, that your agent, your person holding your power of attorney or someone um, will have to go to the court and petition the court, ask the court to allow that agent to continue to represent you or to continue to be um, your power of attorney. Or the court can say no and appoint someone else if they um, if they deem it proper to do so. And lastly, regardless of the type of power of attorney that you have, regardless, durable, whatever other kind of power of attorney that, um, that you had drawn up, it will stop upon your death. Right? A power of attorney can no longer be used once you pass away. They can no longer go to the bank and say, hey, look, um, Mary or Johnny passed away and I need to pay for the funeral. And so I need to withdraw uh, $10,000 out the account to pay um, for this um, funeral service. The power of attorney upon your death has no, absolutely no legal authority um, upon your death so it cannot be used that's where your will or your trust or some other document or instrument comes into play if you don't have one then the court will provide a document or instrument for that to take place but again your power of attorney will no longer have any authority upon uh, your passing all right so that's some information about power of attorney Um, again well Please do not accept this as legal advice. I am not acting as your legal attorney. I'm not an attorney I'm here to give you legal advice. It's just some general information. If you are deciding to um, create or have a power attorney drawn up, as I stated earlier, I would strongly advise that you seek legal counsel um, before doing so or before having um, one signed by all parties um, concerned. So again, let's end it there. As you can see, the door for discussion is always wide open. Next week, you and I, we're going to talk about wills and how important how important it is that you have one drawn up. So join me again next week. And more importantly, help me to help us be heard. A Seniors World is broadcast every Sunday. So please spread the word. Be sure to leave your reviews, suggestions, and comments because A Seniors World is all about you. Thank you and peace.